0: Catholic Commentary. Spiritual Warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus
1: 911. Welcome, family. Soul Patrol Jesus 911, Monday morning. My name is Jesse Romero, one man car. Hey, today is the solemnity of Saint Joseph. I want to just do a couple of prayers before we get into uh, our Mondays, uh, you know, Mondays topics, which are basically uh, the amazing things about the Catholic Church that nobody ever knew. We'll continue on that today. I'm going to do that the entire year. Every single Monday, I'm going to talk about amazing things that the Catholic Church has done that no other church has done, no other religion. But today's a solemnity of St. Joseph, spouse of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Joseph is the foster father of our Lord. He was legal father of Jesus, and through his genealogical line, Jesus is said to be of the house of David. In his self-gift to Mary and Joseph, and Jesus, excuse me, in in, uh, his self-gift to Mary and Jesus, St. Joseph fully shares an authentic human fatherhood and the mission of a father in the family, according to St. John Paul II. In 1870, Pope Pius IX declared Joseph the patron of the Universal Church. Many saints have recommended his patronage, including Bernardino Siena, Vincent Ferrer, and Teresa of Avila. According to St. Teresa of Avila, she said, To other saints, our Lord has given power to help in one sort of need, but this glorious saint, as I know by experience, helps us in every need. Uh, Here's a prayer today from Holy Mass. Almighty God, who calls St. Joseph to a life of quiet trust and faithful labor, grant us the grace to imitate Christ's foster father, that we may be pillars of patience and integrity in our homes and places of work through our Lord Jesus Christ, your son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Grant, we pray, Almighty God, that by St. Joseph's intercession, your church may constantly watch over the unfoldings of the mysteries of human salvation, whose beginnings you entrusted to his faithful care through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. And let me share with you today's psalm also. Let's get all prayed up here. The Son of David will live forever. The promises of the Lord I will sing forever through all generations, My mouth shall proclaim your faithfulness, for you have said, My kindness is established forever. In heaven you have confirmed your faithfulness. The Son of David will live forever. I have made a covenant with my chosen, and when I have sworn to David my servant, forever will I confirm your posterity and establish your throne for all generations. The Son of David will live forever. You shall say of me, You are my Father, my God, the Rock, my Savior. Forever I will maintain my kindness towards him and my covenant with him stands firm. The son of David will live forever. Amen. In nomine patris et fili spiritu santi. Amen. Okay. I want to finish up a list of amazing lay Catholics that were scientists that have performed major breakthroughs in the last 500 years of Western civilization. And I share this list because it just destroys the myth that uh, secular humanists are the greatest scientists. Not at all. Any fair historian will admit that the Catholic contribution to the scientific revolution was pivotal in Western civilization. When you look at the 300 greatest scientists in Western civilization, I believe 244 of them believed in God. They were theists. They believed in the God of the Bible. Let me continue with this list of incredible Catholic scientists who have contributed big league to Western civilization just to show you the Catholic mind uh the man of faith, when they pursue rational thought as well, God illuminates their thought here's a couple of other giants and luminaries in the world of Catholicism that have given uh, that have contributed to science we have. Santiago Ramón Cajal, he died in 1934. He was awarded the Nobel Nobel Prize for his contributions to neuroscience. We have Giancarlo Mastali who who he's a, he died in 1970, excuse me. He was a pioneering cardiac surgeon at the Mayo Clinic who developed the Rastelli procedure. He's now a servant of God in the Catholic Church. We have also next lay Catholic scientist, René Antoine Fershoi, died in 1757. His contribution, scientific polymath, known especially for his study study of insects. Then we have uh, next scientist, Francesco Redi died in 1697. You'll find that his his experiments with maggots were a major step in overturning the idea of spontaneous generation. Then we have Henry Victor Re- Regnault. He died in 1878. We uh, he's a chemist who gave us the two laws governing the heat of gases named after him. Next we have. Gregorio Ricci Cherbastro. I'll say that again. Gregorio Ricci Cerbastro. He died in 1925. He's one of the founders of the Tensor Calculus. Next, we have Robert Riley. He died in 1904. Uh, excuse me, 1894. 1894. He was a, a French speaking Creole. One of the earliest chemical engineers. And inventor of the multiple effect evaporator. Inventor of the multiple effect evaporator. We have Giles de Rival. He died in 1675. He's a mathematician who studied the, who studied the geometry of infin, infinitesimals. And was one of the founders of kinetic geometry. Then we have Clemens ruthon he died recently in 2019 he was a physicist known for developing the ruthon equations then we have frederick rossini he died in 1990 he received the priestly medal and the latari medal winning chemist we have paolo ruffini he died in 1822 he was an Italian mathematician who, who contributed to the Abel-Ruffini theorem and described Ruffini's rule. Then we have Paul Sabatour. He was a chemist, died in 1941. He was awarded the Nobel, Nobel Prize in Chemistry for his work in proving the hydrogenation of organic species in the presence of metals. Next we have Audimor Jean-Claude. Venant. He died in 1886. <clears throat> he was remembered for Saint Venant's principle and Saint Venant's theorem and Saint Venant's compatibility condition. He was given the title Count by Pope Pius XI in 1869. Next, we have Theodore Schwann. He died in 1882. This Catholic scientist is the founder of the theory of the cellular structure of animal organisms. Next, we have Ignaz Semmelweis. Died in 1865. This Catholic scientist was an early pioneer of antiseptic procedures. He's the discoverer of the cause of purpural fever. Then we have J. Wolfgang Smith, died in 1930 he was uh, this catholic was a mathematician, physicist and philosopher of science. Then we have George Spurti. He died in 1991. He was a uh, inventor of preparation of preparation H, hemorrhoid medication. Uh, he also invented the Spurty ultraviolet lamp and the Asper cream. He's the co-founder of the Institutum DV Tomai and of the Basic Science Research Laboratory of the University of Cincinnati. Then we have Horatio Storer. He died in 1922. This Catholic physician, he's the founder of the Gynecological Society of Boston, the first medical society devoted exclusively to gynecology. He's the leader of the Physician's Crusade Against Abortion. Then we have Carlos Stern. He died in 1975. He was a German-Canadian neurologist and psychiatrist, lecturer in neuropathology, and assistant neuropathologist at the Montreal Neurological Institute. Then we have Miriam Michael Stimson. She died in 2002. She was an American Adrian Dominican sister. She was a chemist and the second woman to lecture at Sorbonne University. She played a role in the history of understanding the DNA. Then we have Jedwiga Zwenticka. Died in 1939. Was a Polish archaeologist and writer. Then we have Louis Jacques Thénard. He died in 1857. He was the discover. He discovered the hydrogen peroxide. And contributed to the discovery of boron. Then we have Evangelista Torricelli. He died in 1647. He's the inventor of the barometer. Then we have Paolo Dal Pozzo Toscanelli. He died in 1482. This Italian mathematician was an astronomer and a cosmographer. You're listening to Jesus 911. On Mondays, they are dedicated to showing you how great Catholicism is, the amazing contributions of Catholics and the Catholic Church. Stick around; we'll be right back. Lord Jesus Christ,
0: Now. Back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888 526
1: 2151. Soul Patrol Jesus 911. Hey, let me give you a little reflection from a bishop on, on St. Joseph. Today's a, so, a solemnity to St. Joseph. And this is a very powerful reflection. I'd like to share it with you. It's from Bishop Jacques Huey. Benin Bossuet. He died in 1704. He was a French bishop and theologian and renowned orator. Here's what he says about St. Joseph. He says, an angel of the Lord was sent to Joseph and said to him, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. How calm are those words? What astonishment and what humility were Joseph's. If we were to have any understanding at all of these things, it is for God alone to give it to us. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus. Why you? You're not the father. He has no father but God. But God has transferred his rights to you. You will stand as a father to Jesus Christ, formed by the Holy Spirit in the womb of the one who belongs to you. He also belongs to you. With the authority and rights of a father, then have also a father's heart towards Jesus, God who fashions the hearts of all. Today, place the father's heart in you. How blessed are you for that at the same time he gives Jesus the heart of a son toward you. You are the true spouse of his holy mother. You share with her this beloved son and the graces that flow from this love. Go then, and at the proper time, name the child, giving him the name Jesus, both for you and for us, so that he will be our savior as well as yours. After the dream and the angel's words, Joseph was a changed man. He became a father and a husband. In his heart, the effect of his marriage was a tender care that he had for Mary and the divine child. He began this blessed ministry by traveling to Bethlehem, and we know all that followed from it. Close quote. Bishop Jacques Boussouet died in the 18, 1704, Excuse me, seventeen o four. Giving a reflection today on Saint Joseph, that was very, very powerful and beautiful. Let's continue talking about the greatness of Catholicism. I'm sharing with you 214 of the greatest uh, scientists in Western civilization. Guess what? They all were Catholic. Of the 300 greatest scientists, let me repeat that, of the 300 top scientists in Western civilization, that's a long time, that's about a thousand years, uh, well over 200 of them were Catholic. And what's the point that I'm making here? The point that I'm making is that Catholics have made huge contributions to science. So those people that think that faith and science are are, are, are incompatible, <laughs> uh, they're, they're, uh, they don't know what they're talking about. Because the list that I've been giving you the last three weeks, the, this list of incredible scientists, and Catholics it proves otherwise it proves that faith and science are completely compatible why are they compatible because whatever is true comes from God God is truth so whatever is true about science comes from God whatever is true about religion and history comes from God all truth comes from God <clears throat> so religious truth and scientific truth are completely harmonious and, in- and compatible. I'm almost done with the list here. Richard Townley died in 1707. This Catholic was a mathematician and astronomer whose work contributed to the formulation of Boyle's Law. We have Louis René Tulasny. He died in 1885. This Catholic was a biologist with, with several genera and species of fungi named after him. We also have Martin de Valera. He died in 1984. He was an Irish botanist. He's an expert in phycology. Next, we have Louis Nicholas Vakwilane. He died in 1829. <laughs> he discovered the chemical element um, ber- beryllium, beryllium. Then we have urban Leverrier. urban Laverrier he died in 1877 he was the Catholic math- mathematician who predicted the discovery of the planet Neptune next we have Andreas Vesalius died in 1564 he's the father of modern human anatomy next we have Francois Viete died in 1603 He's the father of modern algebra. Next, we have Leonardo da Vinci. Died in 1519. He's a Renaissance anatomist, scientist, mathematician, and painter. Next, we have Vincenzo Viviani. Died in 1703. He was a mathematician known for Viviani's theorem, Viviani's curve, and his work in determining the speed of sound. Man, we got some smart Catholics. You read this list and you're saying, wow. This is what the Eucharist produces in love for Mary. uh, uh, Praying the rosary and receiving the Eucharist and the sacraments. This is a type of intellect that this religion produces. Next we have Alessandro Volta. He died in 1827. This Catholic physicist was known for the invention of the battery. Wow, how practical is that? How many of us use a battery for everything? Next, we have Wilhelm Heinrich Wagen. He died in the 1900, 1900. This Catholic was a a, a geologist and paleontologist who provided the first example of evolution described from the geologic record after studying Jurassic Ammonites. Next, we have James Joseph, James Joseph Walsh, died in 1942. This Catholic was a dean and professor of nervous diseases and of the history of medicine at Fordham University, and he's a Latari Medal recipient. <clears throat> Next, we have, what do we have here? We have Carl Weierstrass, Carl Weierstrass. This Catholic is often called the father of modern analysis. The father of modern analysis. Next we have Anna Wurzbika. Died in 1938. And uh, she was a linguist, founder of natural semantic metalanguage based at the Australian National University. Her research was cited more than 41,000 times by other scientists. Next, we have E.T. Whitaker, Died in 1956. He was an English mathematician who made contributions to applied mathematics and mathematical physics. Next, we have Johann Joachim Winkleman. Died in 1768. He's one of the founders of scientific archaeology. Next we have Bertram Wendell. Died in 1929. This Catholic was an anthropologist, physician, and former president of the University of College Cork. Next we have Jacob B. Winslow. Died in 1760. Jacob was a convert to Catholicism who was regarded as the greatest European anatomist of his day. Next, we have Antonio Zacchici. Antonio Zacchici died in 1929. This Catholic was an Italian nuclear physicist, former president of the National Institute of of nuclear physics in Italy. And finally, this is the and, I mean, the 210th scientist I've quoted. Finally, we have Gregory Zilborg. He died in 1959. This Catholic was a, U- a Ukrainian-American psychiatrist and history of psychiatry. So <clears throat> I-, I think I proved my point is that any fair historian will admit that the Catholic contribution to the scientific revolution was pivotal and second to none. Pivotal and second to none. Again, I'm going to repeat. Contrary to popular belief, there was this great scientific advancement during the Middle Ages because of the Catholic Church. And the Catholic Church spurred this scientific discovery the Catholic Church made math and science a compulsory part of the, of the syllabus at medieval universities for anyone who wanted to study theology. That meant loads of students got grounding in these subjects and professors could hold down jobs teaching it. So the myth that the church held back science dates from the Enlightenment when Voltaire and other French philosophers invented it to attack Catholics of their own day as impediments to political progress. Yeah, these were simply anti-Catholic, secular humanist bigots. But as I mentioned to you, I've just shared with you the last three weeks some of the important and lasting scientific advancements to have come out of the Middle Ages. And all these achievements have have continually been used by scientists later on. And so these medieval inventors that Again, gave us things like the eyeglasses, the mechanical clock, the horse harness, the printed book, and reliable handguns. These uh, These scientists have turned the world upside down. Literally, these scientists have turned the world upside down. Let me give you another scientist very early on. Virgil was a monk who left Ireland back in 723 AD for the love of Christ. And he went to Europe to evangelize. Well, Virgil became the abbot at St. Peter's Monastery in Salzburg, Austria, and later became the bishops of that of that diocese in 1765 AD. He was the master of the classics, and he embraced the mathematical proposals that the earth is round. He promoted the idea that there were people living on the other side of the world. Today, today scientists look to Bishop Virgil as an early medieval witness to what eventually became established science, that the earth is round. So that was taught to us by Bishop Virgil in 723 A.D. <clears throat> Dr. Ronald Stark, he's a professor of sociology. He uh, He's the author of the book For the Greater Glory of God. It's published by Princeton University Press. He also de- debunks all these college liberals with the many facts such as That it was the Catholic Church which gave the world science. And the Catholic Church never, never taught that the earth was flat. The fathers have always taught that the earth was a sphere, even 1,000 years before Galileo. You're listening to Jesus 911, family. On Mondays, you know what I do on Mondays? On Mondays, I share with you the the great uh, contributions that the Catholic Church has made throughout the world. <clears throat> in va- in fact, the word science comes from the Latin word sede, which means to know. This is reasoning from fundamental principles about the causes, effects, and relationships amongst things. We'll be right back. Stick around. Don't go anywhere. I'm going to continue talking about the greatness of Catholicism.
0: Now back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888 526
1: 2151. Soul Patrol Jesus 911. I want to just give uh, just uh, do a quick arrow prayer. Nomini Patris Fili Spiritu Santi, Amen. Lord Jesus Christ, by the love you bear us. Cause the light of your holy face to shine upon us always. Lord Jesus Christ, by the love you bear us, cause the light of your holy face to shine upon us always. Lord Jesus Christ, by the love you bear us, cause the light of your holy face to shine upon us always. Amen. I'm going to talk about slavery and just to show you that the Catholic Church has always been in the battle against slavery slavery and to fight for people's human rights like no other religion in the world freedom and slavery the catholic church has always been all about freedom and liberty and always trying to emancipate people from slavery this I'm going to do a deep dive in this let me talk a little bit about communism and the way recent communism and the way the catholic church had everything to do with the collapse of communism Emily Stimson, who uh, wrote an article on Pope John Paul II and the way he was instrumental in collapsing communism, she says the following. What really destroyed the Soviet Empire? It wasn't anti-communism. It was pro-Christianity, said former Speaker of the House Newt Gingrich. It was the belief in the cross and the belief that everyone could shelter beneath the cross and no state could forcibly deny that, no matter what they did to you. I want to remind you that Newt Gingrich, he he produced a video called Nine Days That Change the World dot com. Nine Days That Change the World dot which shows how Catholicism collapsed communism in modern times. Now, don't get me wrong. It's making a comeback, obviously, but I just want to talk about the historical reality uh, in this country back in the late 70s, early 80s. Nine, J- Nine Days That Changed the World tells a story of John Paul II's June 1979 pilgrimage to Poland and the chain reaction that pilgrimage sparked, culminating in the fall of the Soviet years later. The result is a clear role of the Catholic faith. Yeah. The result is a clear role the Catholic faith played in destroying one of the 20th century's two great totalitarian regimes. John Paul's visit depicts how millions... Turned out to hear their Polish Pope speak. Those who longed for a different, freer Poland. Longed for the first time in 35 years. That they were not alone. They longed for the first time. <clears throat> or actually, I think they longed to hear. If you think about it. When the Pope went to go speak to them. It was what their hearts needed to hear. They realized there are more of us than them. In that realization, the film shows nine days that changed the world. The film shows the Polish people rediscovered their own dignity and learned not to be afraid. Pope John Paul II marshaled the courage of the Polish people against the Soviets. They found courage and hope, and that courage and hope quickly took on a concrete form in the Solidarity Movement the anti-communist trade union that eventually ended Soviet rule in Poland and sparked revolutions throughout the Eastern Bloc. Newt Gingrich himself, a Protestant at the time, slowly came to recognize the role the Catholic Christian faith played in shaping the history of America and the West. He was a, and he's a historian, fair, fair, fair fair-minded man. Newt Gingrich said in an interview, I was stunned to discover how much John Paul II lived through. The fact that he joined the Rhapsodic Theater when it was a death penalty offense. Then he became a student priest, which was a death penalty offense, and became a priest when Soviet dictatorship began, began. The level of courage that Pope John Paul II lived out as a young priest, the degree to which Be Not Afraid was about his life was very stunning, very attractive, very powerful. John Paul's inspiring message that no state or government can come between you and God and that true freedom can only be achieved and sustained by faith, not by government. Let me share with you a couple of other areas where the Catholic Church has intervened and has given people liberty and freedom. <clears throat> freedom from slavery is now an internationally recognized human right because of the Catholic Church. Article four of the <clears throat> of the uh, Universal Declaration of Human Rights signed December 10th, 1948 states no one shall be held in slavery or servitude slavery and the slave trade shall be prohibited in all their forms close quote well guess what guess what Islamic countries they reject this document this UN document because it goes against Sharia law it goes against Sharia law and they, they believe the Muslims and they believe that this document they believe that this document is, is a Christian document that's why they reject it this this is why the uh, Muslims reject this document because they're saying that the language was borrowed from the New Testament so yeah let me repeat again freedom from slavery is now an internationally recognized human right thanks to the Catholic Church Article 4 of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, which was signed December 10th, 1948, states the following. No one shall be held in slavery or servitude. Slavery and the slave trade shall be prohibited in all their forms. Again, guess what? Islamic countries reject this document because it goes against Sharia law, Quranic law. And they believe... That this document is a Christian document. This is why. Yeah. This is why Muslim leaders reject it. Yeah. Yeah. This is why Islamic leaders. Reject this document. Because they believe it was just basically cut and paste for the New Testament. Dr. Ed Maz, an expert in in medieval history, he states uh, that it was Tertullian. He's a second century church historian. He's the the first one. Tertullian, historically, was, was the first person to coin the word religious liberty. Tertullian was a Catholic. Okay. He was the first person to coin the word religious liberty during a time of persecution in the Roman Empire. Nobody used it before him. Just kind of on a sidebar, Tertullian is also the first one to coin the term Trinity as well to describe Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Human rights, slavery, the Catholic Church was all over this. If it wasn't for the Catholic Church, we would still have this. It would be all over the world. Slavery would still be practiced today. And it still is in Sharia law countries. Let me give you some more data on the way the Catholic Church has always been about freedom and liberty. Back in the Middle Ages, there was actually religious orders. Back in 1253 in Barcelona, Spain, there were two men Teobaldo and Fernando, who embarked on a mission deep into enemy, into enemy territory, excuse me. And their mission was the rescue of 129 hostages. Their destination, Tunis, the capital of a burgeoning new Muslim kingdom across the Mediterranean Sea. Teobaldo and Fernando were not knights or crusaders, they were mercedarians, One of the brand new religious orders committed to carrying out the sixth corporal work of mercy, which is ransoming the captive, also known as visiting those in prison. So by the late 1100s and early 1200s, the Christian reconquest of Spain was nearing its end. Where the Catholics, you know, reconquered Spain for Christ from Muslim invaders. On the defensive, their kingdoms shrinking, Christendom's Muslim enemies restored or resorted to piracy and kidnapping of Christians. It became such an enormous problem. Yeah, this became such an enormous problem that two religious orders were established for the purpose of raising money to ransom the captives. They were called, they are, uh, they, they are the Mercedarians and the Trinitarians. Can you imagine just an entire order? All you do is try to rescue slaves from Islamic prisons, the Mercedarians and the Trinitarians. God bless these people. They personally went on ransoming missions, sometimes called redemptions. We'll be right back talk about these brave Catholics that gave their life to free slaves from Muslims. Jesus 911, stick around to go anywhere. We'll be right back.
0: Back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888 526 2151.
1: Soul Patrol, Jesus 911, one man car. My name is Jesse Romero. So, what is the Bible verse that really identifies this show, Jesus 911? It's, it's Psalm 69, verse 2. God, come to my assistance, Lord, make haste to help me. Let that verse be burned in your heart. God, come to my assistance. Lord, make haste to help me. Psalm 69, verse 2, that defines this program Monday through Friday, really. Okay, I'm talking about instances in the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church just has an entire history of of rescuing people from slavery and giving them liberty and freedom. And I'm talking about, by again, by the late 1100s and early 1200s, the... The Catholic-Christian conquest, or reconquest should I say, of Spain from Islamic invasion was nearing its end. So we put the Muslims were on the defensive because their kingdom was shrinking. and, uh, And so they started resorting to piracy and kidnapping of Christians. This is when two orders were established. Two Catholic religious orders were established for the purpose of raising money to ransom these captives, these, the, the, to ransom the Catholic captives, should I say. They are, they are the Mercedarians and the Trinitarians. Yep, they are called the Mercedarians and the Trinitarians. They personally went on ransoming missions, sometimes called Redemptions. The mercedarians even took a fourth vow to substitute themselves for the person held in captivity if necessary. What is certain is that ransoming was no simple exchange of money. It often involved dangerous rescue missions far into enemy territory in which a trinitarian or in in, in which a uh, or a mercedarian friar often risked. Becoming a captive himself to Muslims. Can you believe that type of courage? These two founders. Teoboldo and Fernando were hardly. The holy ones who risked their lives on such missions. 68 mercedarians. Mercedarian friars. 68. Mercedarian friars. Alone. Perished. Or were killed on these missions between 1218 A.D. when the order was founded in 1490 A.D. Two years before the Spanish reconquest of Spain ended. The Spanish reconquest of... So many of these mercedarian friars were arrested, tortured, stoned, beheaded. And their bodies were tossed into a fire. Talk about heroic virtue. Both ransoming religious orders. Produced great saints. The Mercedarians had this one notable friar. St. Raymond Nonatos. Whose incessant preaching. After being imprisoned by Muslims. On one of his missions. Earned him the unusual punishment. Of having his lips shut with an iron padlock, a condition he endured for eight months before his eventual departure from the prison this that type of courage makes makes my <laughs> makes me shudder. The example of the priests in these two orders <clears throat> the Mercedarians. Yeah, the example of 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 the priest <clears throat> from these two orders, the Mercedarians and the Trinitarians, call us to think about how we can perform a work of mercy and how we can minister to the captives today. <laughs> Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the Almighty Father, give me half the courage of these friars, half the courage of, the, of these friars, and I'd be happy. Amen. Yeah, and I'm, I'm just—I'm so proud to be Catholic. When you just see the things that the Catholic Church has done, Catholics and Catholic individuals have done, you just say unbelievable. And I'm part of this church. This church of heroes. Yes, you are. Let me give you a more recent example of of Catholics liberating. And giving freedom to the captives. Here is a, is a more recent example. Of what I'm talking about. This type of Catholic courage. That, that you don't see. Very often in other religions. A more recent example of, of New Orleans. Archbishop Joseph Rumol. Who courageously confronted the evils of racism is one that i especially admire. Yeah. In a 1953 pastoral letter Archbishop Remoul and and it's 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 and by the way we still have bishops out there like that. Don't 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 start thinking that all is lost. And more more of them are coming out. But in the 1953 pastoral letter, Archbishop Ramol ordered an end to segregation throughout the throughout the archdiocese of New Orleans against the established democrat norms. And in a 1956 pastoral letter, he declared, quote, racial segregation as such is morally wrong and sinful, because it is a denial of the unity and solidarity of the human race as conceived by God in the creation of Adam and Eve. Close quote. Many white Catholics were furious at this disruption of the long-entrenched Democrat segregationist status quo. They staged protests and boycotts. Bishop Rummel patiently sent letters urging a conversion of heart but he was always willing to threaten opponents of desegregation with excommunication. On April 16, 1962, he followed through, excommunicating a former judge, a well known writer, and a segregationist community organizer. Two of the three later repented and died Catholics in good standing. Bishop Ramol recognized that prominent, high profile public advocacy for racism was scandalous it violated core catholic teachings and basic principles of justice and also led others to sin <laughs> yeah especially the sin of scandal giving giving a bad example the point that i'm making <clears throat> is that i'm just i'm just giving you little spot checks here and here and there from things that have happened throughout history little spot checks but the point that i'm making is that it's been the Catholic Church consistently for the last two thousand years, that consistently fights for religious liberty, fights against slavery, and fights for freedom. If it's if it's not happening, in uh, you know by John, by Saint John Paul II against communism, you also had that alliance of uh, John Paul II, Ronald Reagan, and Margaret Thatcher collectively brought down the this communist giant, these three anti-communist giants that I just mentioned. Uh, you know, Newt Gingrich even admits this. He was a former Protestant. He converted to the Catholic faith as a result of studying these things and seeing St. John Paul II in recent times back in 1979, the way his speech is in, in Poland. It led to the eradication of communism from taking hold of Poland. Then we look... <clears throat> We could even look, for example, <clears throat> at, uh, at, some of, at some of the older history. Uh, at Some of the older history, for example, Christopher Columbus discovered America in 1492. What did he call America? <clears throat> he called America the New Jerusalem. It, it, it would be known as a country where its currency would say, In God we trust, liberty, and e pluribus unum from any one. Yeah, from many one. This last phrase this last phrase was barred by our Lord Jesus Christ, truth be told. From John 17, 21, where our Lord says that they may be one, that they may be one in us, John seventeen twenty-one. <clears throat> you also have Carol Delaney, a former professor at Stanford and Brown University, in her book, Columbus and the Quest for Jerusalem, said that Columbus fervently believed it was a duty of every Christian to try to save the souls of non-Christians. And it was his passion that led him on a great adventure, an encounter such as the world has never seen before. And even before Columbus landed in a new world, the popes had already explicitly condemned the institution of slavery. Pope Eugene IV was the first pope to address the issue of slavery on January 13, 1435. The pope sent, sent the bull to Bishop Ferdinand, and the pope condemned the enslavement of peoples of the newly colonized Canary Islands and ordered Catholics, ordered Catholics that if anyone made, their, made anyone their slave, they must release and give them their freedom immediately. The pope ordered Catholics that they must desist from owning slaves. Pope Paul III in 1537 issued a royal proclamation known as the New Law, the New Laws of the Indies, which forbade slavery of Indians. Pope Innocent XI died in 1689 proclaimed that it was not permitted to buy and sell black slaves. Catholics were not to engage in this activity. Period. Christ has has set us free to do what is good. Catholicism was way ahead of the curb when it came to see slavery as an evil institution. Heck, in August of 1862, which was five months before the the Abraham Lincoln issued the Emancipation Proclamation, Archbishop John Purcell of Cincinnati publicly recommended the emancipation of all slaves. That's a wrap. My name's Jesse Romero. Talking to you about the greatness of the Catholicism. Today, I really did a kind of a deep dive on slavery and i'm going to continue doing that because the catholic church was the one that basically gave the world religion uh, 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 religious liberty and freedom and liberty that comes from the catholic church constantly fighting slavery so i'll pick it up again next week talking about the greatness of catholicism the way the catholic church eradicated slavery little by little piecemeal by the gospel of jesus christ Hey, stick around. You don't want to miss up. What's up next? Gary Machuda, the big guy, coming to you from the Midwest Command Center. Up next, you'll hear you'll hear more high level apologetics. As for me, and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua twenty four fifteen. That's the wrap. I'm out. EOW, end of watch. God bless you. Keep the faith. Saint Joseph, terror demons, pray for us. See you next time.